and she just said, oh, that's all right, but my favourite movie is Titanic. And you could hear them kind of audibly gasp that she liked such filthy box office sludge. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's made for you to enjoy it. It didn't make billions of dollars because no one liked it, you assholes. You know, <laughs> like... Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Conversation. I'm Brandon C. McClure, your host and your fandom guide. This is a fandom conversation show where I interview other podcasters about their journey through fandom spaces. Before we get started, let me just say that I am very sorry this episode has been delayed. It's three weeks and a day. Um, I'm so sorry. Things in my life aren't great. Um lots of changes happening and I've kind of lost it whatever it is I'm just in a funk and it's rough out there guys um and you know I don't want to front load this episode with a lot of depressing stuff but that's that's unfortunately my excuse is that I I just I'm just not in a great place right now and hey you know hopefully hopefully it doesn't last right Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the last episode I put out with Ken Knapsack. I had a lot of fun with that one because uh, I got to really hone in on a specific fandom, which I don't normally get to do on the show. Um, I just really enjoy talking to Ken in general. So that was it's just really cool that I got to do that. If you recall, the Ken Knapsack episode was Indiana Jones related. There's plenty more Indiana Jones stuff happening on this network. Um, I have an article currently published on my blog that has links to all of it, which I'll link below if anyone is interested in. There's much more, but I'll get into some of that at the end of the episode. Before I introduce this week's guests... I just want to remind everyone to rate this show on your podcatcher of choice and follow us on Twitter uh, for as long as Twitter lives. I haven't made a Threads account yet for a conversation, but Twitter is still there. Uh, the link is in the description. You can also follow us at Fake Nerd Pod on Instagram. That's you know that's kind of the catch-all uh, Instagram account. It, everything in the network is all there. And if you'd like to be a part of this show, please reach out to me through my socials or email at conversationpod at gmail.com. Once again, linked below. Look, I need guests for next season. It's plain and simple. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, let's talk about this week's guest. Rachel Strange is here today. Uh, she is an academic and the host of the Narrative Labyrinth podcast, where they talk about the very nature of storytelling. Uh, well, she described it as um, basically talk about whatever they want. I feel very grateful to have met Rachel and even got to guest on her podcast a few weeks ago, The Narrative Labyrinth, as I mentioned, uh, which when it's out, we'll, I'll, I'll give you guys a heads up. I'll link it in whatever episode it, that corresponds with. Um, I'm really excited about that one. But we had a great rapport uh, talking about, well, we talked about all sorts of things, uh, art versus content, what we as people and fans want to pass on to the next generation of fans. 
gatekeeping. Uh, great conversation about gatekeeping. I really enjoyed that one. There's so much more in this episode. It's a rather long one, one of my longer ones, but this one was really fun to do. I know I say that every week, but it's just so true. Like, I have a really good time recording the show, and I've had really good guests this season. Uh, I've been blessed this season, to put it that way. Um, we're just really happy with how this season has turned out. So I did record this a few months ago now. I don't remember the exact date. It's not... The gap is getting shorter as these episodes come out, but this was a few months ago. Um, so just a couple of things that I want you guys to be aware of going into this episode. The most important one is that I'm going to say a content warning or a trigger warning, whatever you want. There is Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling talk specifically her transphobic views. We go right into it. We talked a little bit about this uh, two episodes ago where I talked to Cookie from Just Little Podcast, but Rachel and I really just, in the very beginning, like we, that's the, that's where this episode starts. So if you are sensitive to that, you know, please skip it or whatnot, but it's a good conversation, guys. Um, I'm just warning for anybody who finds that sort of thing sensitive because, you know, I do. You know, and I don't want people to feel uncomfortable listening to my show. During this episode, we talk about tabletop games. And I forgot guests from last year, uh, two years ago, season one guest, Richard Kirk. I'm so sorry, Richard. Richard is the host of the D20 Future Show. And I tried to remember his name. I'm sorry I didn't in the episode, but just know that's what I'm talking about. Also, there's a couple of mentions of Star Trek. She is a Star Trek fan. I am a Star Trek fan. It was bound to come up. Uh... We talk about Star Trek quite a bit, specifically the upcoming, at this point, to date this episode, Star Trek Picard Season 3. Um, obviously, that season has ended now. I've talked about it before. I really enjoyed that season. Um, they also tell me, uh, Rachel tells me, about a audio play, an audio drama about, Ra- uh, about Raffi and Seven from Star Trek Picard which I listened to, actually, um, after this, this episode, which I also really enjoyed. I thought that was really awesome. By the way, for future reference, these are time-coded. I time-code where you can just skip to the interview if you want to not listen to my ramblings. All right, well, that's everything, I think. So I had a really good time talking to Rachel. I really did. And I hope to get to uh, talk talk to them again. Um, I also really enjoy being on the Narrative Labyrinth, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear that episode. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoyed recording it. And um, I guess all there is left for me to say is without further ado, here is Rachel Strange from the Narrative Labyrinth podcast. All right, I am here with Rachel Strange, um, a self-proclaimed interactive storyteller of the Narrative Labyrinth podcast. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. That's okay. It's really great to be here. I love kind of taking my little bag on a stick and turning up at other podcasts and hopefully not causing too many problems. But I don't know, maybe sometimes I do. I'll try not to. But that's that's okay. You know, you know, I'm, I'm equipped to deal with some problems. Um, so why don't you first tell us a bit about yourself? Uh, so yeah, uh, my name's Rachel, and I am indeed uh, quite strange. I'm a UK based uh interactive storyteller multimedia maker uh sometimes lecturer in journalism and media and i am i think a self-proclaimed geek 
like before being a geek was cool i was a geek um or a nerd or whatever whatever phrase you want to do that's a, i guess a podcast in itself are you a nerd or a geek who knows um and i uh yeah I, that's that's what i do um i create documentaries i podcast i do all sorts of things just to kind of add art rather than content to the internet i guess hmm. so the art versus content uh, debate might come up yep i'm all for the art versus content debate um great okay so thank you so much why don't you tell us a bit about your podcast uh so i run the narrative labyrinth which uh is um available on kind of all good streaming services and all kind of mediocre ones because hey you know someone's going to listen somewhere um and we're just ending our second season and preparing to go into our third season uh where i bring in people uh and guests to talk about things they love or to have in-depth conversation reviews and analysis of everything from uh literature films video games um and kind of everything around that so uh, we're currently recording and it's LGBT History Month here in the UK. Uh, and we've got an episode on um, uh, animation and, and and queerness. And we've got another one on burying your gaze, which is a really terrible trope. So I guess I'm going to plug those two episodes because it's LGBT History Month. But I've done other stuff as well. There's a whole musical episode where nobody sings. Oh, that's excellent. That's exciting. <laughs> no one wants me to sing. It's fine. Um, great. So you said you did say you were a, a geek or a nerd. We won't go into the semantics of that one. Um, what uh, fandom spaces would you say that you're a part of? So that's really interesting because I would say I dip my toe into a lot, um, but haven't put a firm camp in many. Um, just through the nature of the way I like to dip in and out of things, I guess that's possibly uh, my neurodiversity that likes me doing that. But I guess my main camp is going to be in comics and the wraparound of of the comic world mm. um and to get it out there dc over marvel oh me too <laughs> um i yeah we i'm sure we'll go into why um but i guess if you want to talk about my main fandom that's where it is um i think at different points in my life i've had different uh key fandoms um some that we probably now don't talk about um and some that we may come back to i'm talking about harry potter right? i am talking about harry potter um but obviously that was when i was much younger you know that's interesting so uh the way i've recorded these it's been months since my last episode i don't mean to tell anybody some inside baseball i'm sure i said that up top uh my, my future self when he records the bumpers for these um <laughs> i this, this is the second time in a row that harry potter has come up Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, um in an interesting way, I think uh, I, I think the Harry Potter thing is um, well. Let's just say my enjoyment of the franchise has dimmed over the years. I think it's fair to say I'm glad I never got a tattoo, and I'm definitely not buying the video game. Um, <laughs> but obviously, as a, uh, I think I was seven when I read the first book when it first came out, and it was a pivotal part of my childhood and my kind of entry into fantasy and that kind of world of other um, that I hadn't had before. So. It's really, I think it's really interesting. I guess it's when the heroes, when you meet your heroes kind of thing. I've never met her, don't worry. But that whole kind of, um, yeah, like what do you do when the creator of something you love so dearly and has had such a formative part of your your existence as a person actually turns out to be a completely terrible human being? Um, and how yeah. do you equate that? And that, I think there's some very interesting conversations happening around that at the moment. Um, my current answer is just to have nothing to do with it at all. Yeah, I think it's all, I think it's kind of all like, um, 
for me there's like a threshold like it, it depends on like how far you're how far the person goes like if she just said like you know i i think maybe trans people shouldn't use bathrooms and that was it and that was like four years ago and whatever i and i'd be like uh, all right it's what a problematic or whatever but she kept going yeah, like uh, Jess Gender's just done a really uh, interesting, I think, three hour long video essay that I started and haven't finished because I haven't had three hours. Um, but, you know, like JK first uh, made some questionable choices in like 2015 where she liked some tweets and everyone was like, oh, no, it's just a woman who's had a few glasses of wine too many. We'll, we'll, we'll give it a pass. And obviously, like, clearly that was not the case. She's kind of fully down this rabbit hole. And I think this week she tweeted that all trans people are rapists and it's like oh, Whoa, God, that's, a, that's like that's that's come a long way in uh, like a relatively short amount of time in, in a view and obviously uh, you know she's i guess she's the epitome of great power um and oh. great responsibility because although you know she's a very um prominent figurehead certainly in the uk and i, I sort of believe in in a lot of america as well and you know people take heed of what she says and you know you need to be careful with that kind of power um, and not be a turf with it, oh. I guess. <laughs> no, one hundred percent. I want to. I one hundred percent agree with that. You have a responsibility when you're in the public eye um, to uh, 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 maintain certain values. I think, especially when when people um, are so find so much to love and, and something that you've created, um, and then to just kind of be like, actually, oh, an entire segment of people who love this thing are born from satan like i i, I meant i said i tweeted this on 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 i tweeted on this on twitter because like there's been a lot of talk about this because of the video game obviously the video game is out and they're trying and warner bros is trying all they can to save face with it and the developers are trying to be like you know we built this with like love in our hearts and we did blah, blah blah and so like you see all these people trying very hard to uh, uh, uh separate from what jk rowling is saying and then jk rowling says something like oh all trans people are rapists and it just ruins everything and everyone and you're just but like well then she's also made comments you know um she she's kind of quite publicly said that basically buying harry potter products does equate to agreeing with her views and yes. you know so if that's how she feels guess i'm never buying anything again um which I feel is not a great loss at this point in time. Um, no, no, I, like I, I agree because like this, this all happened in my view, obviously, because I, I, I didn't really pay attention to her as a person very much until um, after the crimes of Grindelwald came out. And that movie was garbage. Like even before I'd hated her, that movie was garbage. Um, and so like seeing the, the two happen, I was like, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, so she had quite a large writing part in in the the Fantastic Beast series, and it has been pretty terrible. Mm -hmm. um, same with the Cursed Child; like that's something she wrote, and it's it's got questionable stuff going on. Um, and it's like you can forgive some of her more questionable um, thoughts in the book because they were written in the in, in in a time in the past. They were written thirty years ago, and you know we have to give people allowances that they were written at the time. We can't, you know, when Tolkien wrote The Hobbit, you know the the dwarfs are not particularly nice in it, and he admitted himself he was very much um, taken in by fascism and, and Nazi kind of ideology and, and thoughts of Jewish people. And that's how he created the dwarfs and some of their characteristics. And he held his hands up and he said, actually, I was wrong and I shouldn't have done that. And that's how we added um, Gimli into the Lord of the Rings to kind of redeem himself and the dwarfs as a race. And, you know, we could say the same about 
J.K. Rowling, who has written some very questionable stereotypes. You know, there are the house elves that are slaves that are very happy being slaves. <laughs> uh, you know, mm, that's that's not great. That's a bit Song of the South. I'm not really sure we're okay with that anymore. Um, and the Irish um, student uh, likes to blow things up, which is a commentary on the IRA, which again, kind of 30 years later, is not really okay. And, you know, you can separate and say these things were written a long time ago and that's okay because they were written then and they reflect ideology and thought of that time. Um, but stop stop bringing them up. <laughs> stop doing stuff <laughs> with it because, you know, that's that's how we can't kind of move on from, yeah. There was a yeah. point in there somewhere. <laughs> no, I think I think it was really, really well articulated, but we we should move on because I could talk all day about this, obviously. But um, and this is not my fandom that I want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, exactly. You know what? You know what? It, it hurts, right? It, it it's it, it hurts. So like it, it's very much like a like a betrayal that happened, and 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 oftentimes we like to talk about this is me segueing. Um, oftentimes we like to talk about the things that that hurt us, that that um that make us that make us um mad because like that's the most that's that's kind of where a lot of the meat on the bones come from but this is a more positive podcast than that um so let's 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 move on so you're so you're a comic book fan yes uh, and you would say that's your biggest fandom um i would currently i'd say so yeah um that is my current kind of um where i'm at um that has fluctuated um but that's where i've been for kind of the last couple of years um my uh, master's thesis I wrote on um, audio um, cues and sounds of superhero movies so I guess that's where I'm kind of I'm kind of in my my comic superhero phase at the moment um, which I'm enjoying it's cool right, I like reading comics who, who shouldn't everyone should love reading comics I um I teach um uh I, I lecture um on a on a kind of comic book narrative um unit at um a, a college in the UK um and trying to explain to kind of um, young people who have grown, you know, who have lived their entire life or knowing life with Marvel making movies of slowly deteriorating quality and hit and miss nature um, and trying to get them to understand that like comics are so much more than just uh, the Avengers punching things and Thor and stuff like that. And actually there's nuances and some really kind of big and important things happened in comics at the times that they were created. And I love um, introducing things like mouse, uh, which is the, um, the, the Holocaust um, graphic novel and the only one to ever win a Pulitzer prize. And I love kind of introducing them to this and being like, this is how uh, comics as a medium can tell some really important stories Um and kind of subvert tropes with them or, or, you know, bend things to make them more palatable. Um, yeah. So I guess comics is my thing. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, but just real quickly, just want to reiterate, I love mouse. I read it in college for my English class and, uh, it, for, uh, not changed my life, but because I'm, I'm Jewish, it really like impacted me in a, in an interesting way. Yeah. I, so I am I am not Jewish and I don't teach to my knowledge I haven't ever taught anyone Jewish mouse um but I find it a really important piece of literature and a piece of art in itself and having that kind of conversation and the conversation currently starts with they try to ban this book in some state in some school libraries in America um and where do we stand on that and they and uh, the, the the students normally start with oh no uh, they should ban it because there's death in it and then we read a bit of it and it's 
it's watching them kind of turn that con the conversation around in their head and actually know this is a really important um, piece of narrative. Um, and yeah, children should read it and it should be studied and understood uh, in, in this way. And then we move on to kind of other nuances and stuff that are added in the same way. So I love Mouse. It's an extremely important piece of work. Um, and I think everyone should read it at some point in their educational life. 100% agree with that. Um, so, okay, so comics, uh, and uh, we, we don't need to go into the rabbit hole of, of the, the kind of deep darkness that, that where Mouse lives in, but you did say, you did mention you're a DC fan more than a Marvel fan. Yeah, I would say that. Um, I would say that kind of across the whole fandom, be that uh, comics, uh, video games, movies, I generally think DC make better products mm. for the most part let's not say all films um but certainly i think there are more um classic standard or rewatchable films within dc than there are within marvel sure. I know that's a controversial opinion no i mean i don't necessarily disagree with that because if you think about marvel marvel is really like um backloaded with their films like they're 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 really like the last 10 years most marvel films have come out obviously whereas dc has been putting out films for a really long time and that's not to say marvel hasn't there's been captain america films and there was the incredible Hulk tv series but it, the volume of marvel products i guess i should uh, products isn't really the right word but the volume of like marvel adaptations in the 20th century was not to the degree that there were dc uh, there were pro there were more DC um, uh, adaptations of the 20th century. Absolutely. So, I mean, you had DC adaptations in the fort. Batman was being adapted from only a couple of years after it was released. Same with Superman. They were doing radio dramas and they did TV very quickly. Um, we all think of the 1960s Batman, um, you know, the Bam Kapow, the very camp style. But actually there was one earlier than that as well. And Superman had been on the radio um, there's a much longer and richer history of DC on screen than there is Marvel. Um, and I think that's evident in the way they try and tell different stories. I know we joke that we've had Batman's origin story five or six times by now, um, but they always adapt it to fit the modern, the, 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 the zeitgeist of the time to some extent, you know, and I think that's, I think we can even see that now just between the, um, Christian Bale Batman and the Robert Patterson Batman you know they are in terms of time scale quite close together for for films and franchises but they and they they have the same character and the same key points but they tell a very different and very um, cleverly written story and I think uh, it's easier to show that with the villains in DC um, I did a narrative labyrinth episode on the um, the cultural impact of the Joker um, with a with a psychologist um, and we kind of spoke through it. And one of the things we really, we really talked about, and I'm apparently now talking about again, <laughs> that's how, that's how much I think it's important is the Joker has been molded um, as a, as a character to fit the time. So, you know, the, the most recent, the um, Joaquin Phoenix Joker um, was mental illness and instability and how he kind of became that way. Um, we're going to ignore the Jared Leto one because it's a pile of garbage. Um, <laughs> but we go back to the, um, the pure kind of post-terrorism, post 9 11 chaos of the Joker that was um, uh, Heath Ledger. You know, what was scary is there was no control, there was no idea. It was simple plans, well executed. 
um, which was very much a, a kind of, as I said, a post-war on terror, a post-9-11 thought to the Joker. But if you go back a little bit further, it was all about destroying art and you go back a little bit further. And it's, it's I think DC are better at adapting their villains to the, to the time. You know, there was the Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor in the original Superman was trying to separate uh california from the rest of the america uh, rest of america to create more beachfront property that's mm-hmm. a very yuppie 80s real estate um uh you know issue to have the modern lex luther was all about pitting people against each other for his own financial gain they're the same character but they have very different cultural motives based on the time they were created mm-hmm. that's interesting um Okay, well, let's let's I mean, let's put a pin on that. Um, so I'm very interest, intrigued to go back to that. I might listen to the to your episode where you where you discuss that. Um, but so you're so you're a, so you so you said you kind of dip your dip your toes into various other fandoms, um, and comics is kind of where you're at right now. Um, how did you how do you interact with those spaces? Uh, not just the ones you just kind of dip your toes into, but like most like comic books. How do you interact with with fandom spaces? Do you have like um, I talk a lot about on the show about like safe spaces, kind of like do you have places that you go to to uh, engage with other people in that fandom, or do you do it solitarily? How how what what does engagement in fandom look to you? Ooh, that's really interesting. So um, I guess I'm going to switch that on its head and talk about how I guess I became uh, the nerd that I am. And hopefully that will make more sense uh, to my answer. So uh, this is a story of all about how my life became a nerd. Um, That's the best interpretation of uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air rap I can do. Sorry. Um, But I come from a household um, that was very average, but there was no... um, I don't have fandom passed down from my parents. They didn't have... A particular love of music so I don't although I, I love music and certain genres I don't love the Beatles because my parents used to listen to the Beatles or anything like that they didn't have any um tv series or movies or anything like that that were very kind of part of my childhood from a family aspect um which means my fandoms and my my loves and my likes are all my own they're entirely of my own creation um which means I had to seek them out so I said, obviously, Harry Potter when I was very little, never, or, you know, when I was seven, never mind. Um, but about the same time in kind of the mid, well, the late 90s, early noughties, um, my father had, um, he got for Father's Day, I think, um, a the VHS box set of the original Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably my first interaction with kind of um, screen-based um science fiction narrative and i loved the original star wars um even though darth vader dying at the end used to terrify me because he looked like a skeleton um when it flashed um and around the same time um star trek was on uh one of our terrestrial uh, bbc2 mad love to bbc2 a terrestrial station um at like seven o'clock in the evening and i'd occasionally catch a glimpse of that and it was voyager mad love to voyager um strong strong women written badly um but strong <laughs> women nonetheless um and uh buffy the vampire slayer uh, which is another example of a creator that we need to separate from their work um but you know these kind of um science fiction fantasy but mostly science fiction started to kind of appear around me um and i liked them i remember being taken to see the phantom menace uh when that came out at the cinema 
um i remember begging to go and see it because it was like everywhere like you couldn't buy a box of cereal without seeing something about the phantom menace on it so as a kid um as a 10 year old that was obviously what i was really wanting to to see and i remember loving it and i remember going and playing in like the garden and with my cousins and having sticks and pretending they were lightsabers um because that's what you did um and but i don't remember i never had any toys or anything like that there was no kind of that kind of sense of fandom because again it just wasn't part of the world i grew up in um so i remember drawing pictures and uh, kind of doing freeform play in my own time um but not kind of having the stuff if that makes sense mm -hmm. um and that kind of stayed kind of the same well not the same i grew up um and when i went to college so when i was uh, 16 or so um because we do college and then university here um I used to have to walk past a comic shop every single day um, and I wanted to go in and it was about six months of really, really, really wanting to go in and not going in because it looked dingy and dark and there was stuff in front of it and it was quite an oppressive looking uh, kind of shop front. Mm -hmm. um, and again, comics at this point in time, they were for nerds, like people uh, didn't really do comics, even though we'd had probably the first X-Men movie or well, the first couple of X-Men movies out by then. We'd had Spider-Man um, come out and Spider-Man had had a huge cultural impact. It had changed our, our age rating systems in the UK. Um, it was so massive. But it was comics were still for nerds. Like it was okay to go and watch Spider-Man on the screen, but you didn't read Spider-Man in a comic. That was still a nerd thing to do. Um, and I finally uh, plucked up the courage to go into the shop um and it probably was not the best experience like it was definitely the only girl walked in um <laughs> but i started going in more um i was uh i bought comics um i think the first what the first series i started reading was catwoman um mm. and some x-men i still love the x-men um and kind of slowly got into it that way but it was quite um it was quite gate kept i guess and i always remember and i still to this day uh people still challenge my knowledge on comics because you can't be a real comic book fan and a woman and you know if you don't know that that key thing and i always find that very interesting when people who know a lot less than me try and challenge my knowledge um and i have to kind of point out that i have a a qualification in it um my, which is always um, fun to point out <laughs> my uh my ex-girlfriend uh now my girlfriend at the time years and years and years ago um when i was when i, when I was in college we um we had matching shirts because uh, we really liked the the Green Lantern uh like section of DC Comics and Green Lantern is still my favorite hero um and and she really liked the Blue Lantern so she had a Blue Lantern shirt I had a Green Lantern shirt which you know was cute because the Blue Lanterns make the Green Lantern stronger um and she if I was not there she would be challenged like well do you know the Blue Lantern oath and like. I don't know the Blue Lantern Oath, but she does. And so, like, I I love, but nobody would ever ask me that because, like, they see me wearing a Green Lantern shirt. Oh, you're a Green Lantern fan. But they see her. Oh, you're a fake fan. Yeah, I I remember distinctly uh, a guy I saw had, like, a, a Red Lantern um, hoodie on. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, cool, Red Lantern. He's like, mm, but you know what it means. And I'm like, dude, I've just pointed out a fucking Red Lantern to you. Like, can we not take the, like... um, And yeah, it's it's... I, I'm sad that it's still such a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and as I said, I even teach comics and, and I've uh, students who know nothing about it or, or know very little challenge. And it's that real, it's, it is that culture that's, that's, I think it's disappearing, but it's certainly not going away. 
um uh of that whole yeah women like and and being having uh comic characters explained to me is one of my favorite ones when people try and explain uh well you do know that superman and batman uh, are actually in the same universe um and uh, you know they they sometimes and i'm like oh wow really i had no idea wow <laughs> geez thanks for that um so yeah it's i don't remember what my long conversation was about but like i guess my fandom to me is uh, has always been quite solitary because i came to it as a solo being and i do sit and read comics and i love sitting and reading comics um i've got a a bookshelf and we shan't talk about how many novels uh, graphic novels and comics are on there um but know that it broke the bookshelf and i had to get a new one because they're heavy <laughs> um uh and all here right here <laughs> yeah mine, mine are all here i can see them there's a whole wall of of books um not a library's worth but i'm getting there um and so i think because i because they're to read they're quite um solitary but i love talking about them with other people i think that's why i love teaching it um yeah. and i like the movie i like some of the movies just to take that back um <laughs> and some of the video games although i don't really think marvel and dc have had any great video games that i've loved but i loved like some of the star wars video games and stuff like that so again that kind of i dipped my toe in all sorts of places i guess um sure. But yeah, I so I guess for me it's quite solitary. I don't um I don't cosplay. I have mad props for people that do, but I literally can't sew to save my life. If someone said to me, I'm gonna kill you if you can't sew, I'm like, well, okay, well, this is the end for me. Never mind. Um uh, So you're so you're so you think uh, fandom so to you fandom is is a solitary um uh, kind of uh What's the word I'm looking for? You think fandom is solitary? Let's just I'll just end. For me, I I mean I don't think it is in a whole. I think as as a whole, it's a community and mm. it's a mass community thing. I am just I'm just a bit of a loser that likes to to sit and read on my own, and now, then be like think... and tell my wife I'm like, hey babe, listen to this, isn't this cool? And she's like, mm -hmm, yeah, that's great, but like yeah, cool, great, go away. Um, <laughs> I, I um, do the same thing to my to my partner. <laughs> Um, but you know, my wife, she's cosplayed. She's a cosplayer. I, I hang around with cosplayers. I do, you know, it's just, it's just not something I, um, like I've been to conventions. I would just, I, I would not say it's a part of who I am as a whole. It's just a thing I do where I would say my fandom and my love for kind of comics and stories is me, if that makes sense. So would you say that because your because your primary fandom, as you put it, was comic books and, and reading is a solitary, um, um that word again um it's a solitary thing that you do um activity endeavor. activity thank you activity um jesus um so so um because reading is a solitary activity do you think that's why your fandom is solitary or do you think it's because that you you had such kind of you, you said it yourself not, not the greatest first comic book story uh, experience um do you think that kind of turned you off from from being part to being in larger fandom spaces or do you just think that it just kind of happened because reading is solitary oh that's a really good question um i mean i'm an introvert like i'm very aware that i'm introverted um and if i had the choice to go to a convention for a day or sit and play um horizon forbidden west for a day i'm probably going to pick horizon to be honest um because uh, it's a single player game i have to talk to anyone <laughs> um or sit and so <clears throat> i think 
Yeah, I think that's just me. I think I am quite solitary, but I have other hobbies and other communities that I'm part of that are not solitary. So um, I LARP. So I, I'm part of huge communities. Um, you just said you don't cosplay. Well, I don't cosplay. I LARP. And I think there's a, well, that's the difference. Is it cosplay or LARP? I mm. like LARP because it's, it's story, yet again, it's storytelling. Um, and I think for me, cosplay is, is uh, trying to, um, well, I did, I did a whole episode on cosplay and identity that basically summed up as I don't cosplay, but other people love it. Um, so, yeah, cosplay. Hmm, yeah, I would say laugh is different to cosplay because I create the character mm. and cosplay. You're generally embodying another character. Um, and I want to tell stories or I that is my I guess my mission in life is to tell stories. Uh, good or bad. Um, <laughs> uh, so I laugh because that's more stories. I have so much, so much. I want, I want to go forever. <laughs> so many notes during the, during that whole thing. Um, hopefully, we can get we can get to them all. But um, I do want to just kind of move us forward and and ask you uh, what brought you to wanting to do a podcast. I did my first podcast. So I, um, I actually was part of community radio um, in again two thousand and five um, kind of era. I did community radio, and I then worked on commercial radio. Um, and ran, when I went to uh, a different uni, I ran the student radio station. Uh, so I love audio production. Um, and then I started, I did my first podcast in 2012, um, but gave up relatively quickly, uh, gave up relatively quickly because technology wasn't really there mm -hmm. to do that in the home environment in a particularly streamlined way, in the way I wanted to create a podcast in a particularly streamlined way. Um, and I came back to it in 2020 um, because uh, technology was there again. Um, and two reasons. One, I went on The Great Derelict and had a great time and totally ruined it. <clears throat> um, um, so decided to do my own. And I realized that I wanted to have conversation and tell stories. Um, and I suck at blog writing. So I had to do something else. So I came back to podcasting. And uh, real quickly, just shout out to Andy for Great Derelict. Uh, I was on his show as well. He was on this show last season. Yeah, big props um, to Andy. Uh, but you said, um, so So why was it, why did you decide the narrative labyrinth? Um, I can't spell narrative or labyrinth, which in hindsight was probably a mistake. Um, being dyslexic <laughs> to pick words are not very easy. Um, the narrative labyrinth, I, I kind of just I sat with it, I workshopped it, and and had some. So my my very very first podcast was called "Hello, My Name Is Podcast." Um, That's cute. Yeah, well, it was, but it like I I I don't know. I'd come somewhere different and. Again, I think for me, it's about storytelling and obviously the narrative um, and no story's a straight line. It's it's a maze. So story maze sounded more like a kid's show. Um, and I think I say the F-bomb too many times for it to be a kid's show. So I went for Narrative Labyrinth instead. Well, that, 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 that's a really good name. I'm, I really like the name, honestly. Um, you also teach. Uh, yeah, I do. That was um, another pandemic. Um, I, I worked full time in the media industry um, and obviously the pandemic kind of stopped a lot of that. Mm. Um, and I I had the choice of either uh, sitting around and doing not a lot for a year or uh, going and doing something. So I decided to um, go and learn how to 
teach other people. Um, so now I do both. Now I work in the industry, uh, in media industry, and I also do some some lecturing. So yeah what so what why did you decide to why did you decide to to teach was that what does that go back to the solitary fandom thing where you want to kind of sh share your fandom with people well so partly i guess the, so one of the reasons i want to teach and particularly um media and journalism is there are not enough um female voices and other minority voices and i remember that all my lecturers and all my teachers were all male bar mm -hmm. one um and they all had a very set uh white male perspective of everything we were doing um and <clears throat> when i was on uh, when i was doing my master's course um someone who i was working with was doing a, a parallel master's course and they were writing a um a, a, a short film script about um uh, two best friends, female best friends, um, kind of at the uh, uh, turning of age, kind of 18 to 20 and how their lives were kind of growing apart. Um, and he, I remember she, her, she came out a meeting with her, with this male uh, lecturer and uh, he'd said, he'd suggested maybe they should have a pillow fight. Um, and it was um, like, for me, I think at that point, I realized that there was just a lack of, um, greater perspective um in in kind of teaching and lecturing and and she felt very disempowered by that and you know that kind of and I'd seen that a lot and I'd experienced that as well where I'd been maybe not had the best experience of education because people uh men particularly wanted to take things in certain directions that that didn't actually reflect what I wanted to do so I guess I wanted to make I wanted to create more people to create things that had better understanding um, and who, and empower more women and, and other minorities to, to, to go into industry, I guess, which sounds really egotistical when I kind of no, think about it. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, no, I love that. Honestly, the, the idea that you, 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 you want to make a positive change in the world and this is your way of doing it. Yeah, I think I'm sick of being the only female voice in, in the room sometimes, um, a lot of the time, uh, unless I'm the only person in the room. And then I'm quite glad I'm the only female voice because that's <laughs> a different problem. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, when you're the only, sometimes when you find yourself the only voice there, it becomes quite difficult to say, actually, maybe that's not the best thing to do, or maybe we should do something this way. So yeah, our, our, content, our content, our television, our, our films are very male dominated and that that needs to change so yeah i i part moved into into teaching to to help push push people forward and to empower people to do so that's really awesome i really like that um to to kind of move back away to move a little bit away from that um because i i have nowhere to go after that um <laughs> uh you larp yep what brought you to larping <laughs> um it was definitely not watching the the film role models. I can tell you that for nothing. Um, it was oh wow! <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So so LARP in the UK is different to LARP in America. Um, in lots of ways, we are. Uh, yeah, it's. I'm not going to say it's more realistic. Um, but we have a lot less fireball. Um, and we don't use boffers. Um, which are the big foam noodly weapons. Um, uh that, no shade those those things are great that's just not generally the style scene over here so you um, use real swords 
Uh, no, we use, um, so they're still like uh, foam and latex, but they're more realistic looking. They're much, oh. um, much smaller. Um, I won't show you one, but there is one sat around the corner, like <laughs> at the other side of the room. Uh, there's so a lot that's, there. you know, that's okay. I can reach over here and pick up a lightsaber. So like, I kind of <laughs> understand what's going on. Um, so yeah, there's, there's less about how hard you can hit someone uh, with a weapon. Uh, mm -hmm. because you can't hit people because you will legitimately hurt them you, you know fo fo it's still got a carbon fiber center and only an inch of um padding um mm -hmm. so it, they're much much smaller um sometimes half an inch very tiny um and there's a lot more kind of emphasis on kind of the story and 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 community and stuff so i was brought to larping through a friend of a friend um, who I play D and D with because obviously I play D and D and other tabletop games, um, and I kind of, <laughs> um, and I uh, got into it from there. Um, and actually tomorrow I'm running an event, a LARP event. So there you go. That's that's how um, how I do it. And I met my wife through LARPing, so I guess it has its merits um that's really cool in many ways um but i love again uh it's not all about fantasy um i've done some really fantastic games around uh kind of the second world war and i ran um a larp game uh, like a one-off larp game um that was about um people played fairy tale creatures uh but they were actually refugees and we they were treated um very similarly to how kind of the refugees are treated when coming to the country and it is a real kind of analogy on how we treat people with a very thin fairy tale overlay um and some magic so yeah telling stories that are sometimes very fantasy but not always um if that kind of makes sense and so so you so you're you want to be a storyteller yeah i i think um it's one of the oldest professions in the world there's only one as old and i'm probably shouldn't say it on air um but yes, we storytelling has been a part of every culture and every civilization since the, since we could communicate. And other animal animals in 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 their societies and their cultures storytell as well. It is a it is part of life. Um, and yeah, I guess I'm a bard that can't sing. If I mm. kind of summed it up, and no one wants me to sing. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I and I choose visual um well audio in terms of podcasting um and moving picture visual medium to to do that mostly and then also larp to tell other stories so what i'm getting at with that question was that like your fandom is storytelling yeah i would say so um you you want you you feel very passionate about telling stories that's why you larp that's why you do uh dungeons and dragons um, I do other tabletops, but yeah, I guess that's the we'll say Dungeons and Dragons for the sake of it. Well, what 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 other tabletops do you do? Um, I've played Scion. I've played some homebrew stuff. Um, yeah, just it's another way to tell stories. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I have a I have a friend um, who I'm actually interviewing for the show in two two hours. Um, but he um he has a new Dungeons and Dragons podcast called The and Dark and um I, I'm listening to that. I interviewed last season um what was that guy's name? I liked him. I'm sorry, I can't remember your name. Oh, I remember it in the post show though. Um <laughs> he did a he, he had has um uh I think in a, I think he told me about an expanse uh kind of tabletop game. Oh um, nice. based on the expanse I guess the expanse started as a tabletop game actually, if I'm remembering correct. Or was it books or was it both? It, it might have been tabletop game to books to show. 
but there's loads of stuff that does that there's loads of kind of stuff that starts one way and kind of evolves into others and and again i love that that kind yeah. of evolution of storytelling yeah i mean I, I i love stories is one of the reasons what that attracted me to actually to doctor who for a while because uh, there's a lot of thematic uh and the themes in doctor who that talk about the importance of storytelling um and that kind of like instilled in me a, um, a reverence for the act of storytelling as you said it's one of the oldest professions in the world yeah um i i have love hate with doctor who sometimes sometimes sure. i love it sometimes i hate it um uh, sometimes i think it's the worst written show in the entire world but we won't go there um but yeah i it, haven't seen it in years don't um <laughs> which is a shame because we've had some fantastic actors and some fantastic cast and the writing it's, it's got messed around a bit mm -hmm. um but yeah doctor who is is massively about storytelling like and so the original doctor who was created almost uh, with an educational bend to it which is why they always go back in history and why they used to do a lot of that on earth um but it was all about telling stories and some of them were scary but they were stories for children and you know that's that kind of monster of the week issue of the week type storytelling is is a real art that we've I hate to say probably lost a lot in kind of the age of streaming and I guess this platinum age or this or this interactive, well, not interactive, this infinite age of storytelling we have. We've lost that kind of single um, single episode, single story idea because everything has to be connected. And that's all thanks to Marvel or cheers Marvel for doing that because kind of ruined storytelling. It's not all Marvel's fault. This was happening years ago. I mean, X Files oh, was the start of it. Deep Space Nine did it. You know, it's it's not. You can't. There, this this been this has been a because I agree with you. I think it is a it is a shame that we've kind of lost the monster of the week format. Um, you know, uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, which is a show I really liked last year. Um, did did a did a um. Uh, went back to that kind of that went back to that kind of episodic storytelling, and I really appreciated it. But even then, there's still storylines that carry. I was going to say they they pitched. I, I I loved Strange New Worlds. I thought it was great. Um, I really really liked it. But I definitely wouldn't call it Monster of the Week. I know they kind of build it as that, mm -hmm. but I really didn't get that Monster of the Week vibe from it. But in all fairness, TNG wasn't particularly Monster of the Week either. Um, yeah. like Star Trek has never particularly done that. You could say the original series did. Um, but that was more about syndication and the fact that it was likely to be shown out of order as much as anything else. So it was mm -hmm. kind of a product of the time. But now we have almost infinite access to every episode or every show of everything that's ever happened. It's almost impossible not to be uh, continuous because those Monster of the Week episodes, they get really boring really quickly. You can't binge them. And that is what they want us to do. Again, that takes us to content over art. Oh, wonderful. Let's do it. <laughs> was that a nice segue for you? Did I did I slide into that well enough? Yeah, for you? <laughs> brilliant. I loved it. I was going to make a I was going to make a comment about the new Quantum Leap show, but let's do it. Let's do let's do content <laughs> versus art. I'm excited for this. So what what would you say what would you say was the main like defining kind of the baseline defining nature of what is content, what is art? Ooh. So I would say Disney Plus is content. Disney mm. Plus's idea or the model that they follow is they keep putting out stuff, content for you to engage with. And it is difficult to get involved with the next thing if you didn't watch the thing before. And that piece of content has bits of stuff attached to it. So this 
uh, uh, this piece of content, this movie has toys attached to it, which you will buy. So it's all, it's kind of this capitalist money-making content machine. And I know some people will say that's down to TikTok and stuff like that. This has been happening before that. We've seen this. This kind of started with the Star Wars prequels in a mini form, as I said, where everything was all encompassingly related. And although I do believe they were created as art, they definitely became content. Hmm. And I think the latest trilogy um, ceased being, well, except The Last Jedi, which is a piece of art, they that that is an artistic piece but the 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 force awakens and whatever the hell the last one was that i don't even care about the palpatine <laughs> one um yeah uh, and and I, I you know i'm someone that you know has a real affinity to star wars and i can't even remember the, the name of the last movie you know they they were content they were they were all about getting you the, giving you the dopamine hit of all the things they knew that they give you i guess content is uh trying to sum it up content is created to give you the mini dopamine hits and cause you to do something else art is about giving you emotion and feeling so mm-hmm. rogue one i would say is art because it was designed to give you feeling and emotion where the force awaken was content because it was formulaic um and it it was doing set things to do another thing to create more content did you see peacemaker i did see peacemaker art I would say that's verging more towards art, yeah. Interesting. Okay. So my my view on I so I don't Sorry, have... just to, just to add, I do yeah. think you can make stuff in a series that is still art. Mm, so okay. X-Men the 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 revived trilogy as it were, I think they started off as art. X-Men Days of Future Past and X-Men is that first the class? Last? First class. I think they were art. I think they became content. Interesting. So I, my, my whole thing is, um, I, I like a lot of garbage. I'll, I'll say that I have, um, I, uh, I mentioned to you before we started recording that the show is very much like a therapy experiment for me. Like it's very much like, um, kind of me coming to terms with my taste my fandoms, my own views on things like that. And I'll get to that in a minute, but the, um, my struggle is that oftentimes I fall on what I what I consider the wrong side of this kind of debate, um, which is like, I really like The Force Awakens. I think that's a beautiful movie. I really love The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi is an incredible movie, and I will fight anybody on that. Um, there's, there's plenty of stuff on Disney Plus and HBO Max and things like that. Marvel movies and shows, like Phase 4 has been a mixed bag, but I've really loved a lot of it. Um, so I often find myself on the receiving end of that kind of it's not hatred it's not wrong to say hatred but it's that kind of like um you know you're this is this is objectively bad and you should feel bad for liking it i don't um, think because it's made of for content it's bad yeah i just think it's not necessarily made with the same not even the same love the con if it's content it's designed to make us want more and to enjoy it there is nothing wrong with liking the stuff that's content there's nothing mm. wrong with liking the force awakens it was designed for us to enjoy it yeah it's just yeah it's it's a really difficult debate but yeah i'm i am 100 percent. you can still like things that are trash you can still like you know iron man 3 i don't know anyone that does but you can still like <sighs> iron man 3 <laughs> You've met someone who does. <laughs> oh, wow. You must be the only person in the whole wide world. My I'm, whole I'm podcast. There's dozens of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, that's, that's, 
just because it's not art doesn't mean it doesn't have value and doesn't mean that it's not still enjoyable. I really liked, um, I think, I I haven't watched Andor, actually, that said, but I I liked all the other Disney Plus Star Wars stuff. And I liked, um, I think, the only one I didn't like for Marvel. Oh, I didn't like the Winter Soldier Falcon one, but no one really did. Um, But we know why that is. They had the the main plot line was meant to be that they were releasing a virus and they nicked that storyline when it was released in 2020. Mm-hmm. So it was only half a show and I gave up partway through Moon Knight just because it wasn't vibing with me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Hawkeye series is content. It's not art, it's content. Sure. Uh, but I, I still just, liked I, it. <laughs> I do want to I do want to just real quickly mention Andor, I think you'd love. I think Andor, if you really like the Star Wars stuff, Andor is something really great. I want to watch Andor, but I, I want to give it the t- because I, I'm aware it's more veering to possibly more art than content or is made artfully um Mm. i actually want to sit and enjoy it and i just haven't had the capacity to do that um which yeah does mean i've been spoiled on some bits but i'm actually okay with that because i want to sit and enjoy it in in the right mindset in the right place um but yeah i'm excited to watch andal (laughs) it's it's very good uh really liked it um but one thing that you said really really struck me is like you know just because it's content doesn't mean that it doesn't have value and i think a lot of the time people maybe accidentally maybe purposefully uh say use the term content to mean it has no value um and i think that's kind of where i fall into i don't believe there's such personally this is just a me thing personally i don't believe there's such a thing as low or high art i think it's all art um at the at at any sort of baseline level it there's an artistic there is an artistic voice there's it, it, it if it is for me if it is movie it is art um that's a really kind of baseline discussion and that that doesn't allow for nuances because I so oftentimes see content equals no value. So what I really appreciate is that you said, is that is is you kind of, you know, explaining that no, just because it's because the force awakens is built for us to enjoy. And because of that, it has value. Yeah. I think so. All, all film, all audio, all, comics or books they are art in their own right they have still been made with artistic nature i Mm. think it's more about their purpose so um logan for example the the movie logan was an art piece you know it was a standalone um piece of art created to do a thing um but endgame was a piece of content because it was it had it had been building to this point. It had the purpose. The purpose was it had to exist to do these things. Logan didn't have to exist, but it was beautiful that it did exist. Um, yeah, Endgame had to exist because we've been told it because it was content that needed to exist to move on to the next thing. Does that make sense? I feel like I've not explained that super well. No, it does. It makes perfect sense, and it's honestly a really refreshing worldview for me to for me to hear. Because as I mentioned before, this kind of therapy experiment that I'm going that I've been doing for three years now um is that it is um because i'm seeing such vitriol to kind of that idea that if you like this thing it, you, you this thing is bad therefore you shouldn't like it and that kind of objectivity when it comes to the art versus content debate i don't think should exist um so it's really nice to kind of see that worldview coming from someone like you i don't think we I don't think it's fair that we do that because we are then no better than people that say, oh, 
why you wearing that blue lantern shirt tell me what it oh, means basically we are just that's 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 how you are the villain of your own story basically you you know that's that makes you um yeah you can't to me that whole you can't like it because it's content not art is like you can't like star wars because it's for babies that we used to get before the disney bought it and it was everywhere you know there's yeah i think i think that's really disingenuous of people who are into fandoms and geeks and i think as a commu- as a wider community of nerds geeks people interested in the other um i think we are really bad at doing that i think we set our own hierarchies and we have our own well this is better than this because this and this and and you know that whole marvel movies are better than dc movies because this is this we are so bad at segregating ourselves and belittling people for liking certain things and i know i've sat and done it in this podcast in in sort of a jesty way uh but you know we do that and telling people they shouldn't like content is makes you know better than the people that have said to you you shouldn't like comics because they're for children or or whatever uh my my one and only female uh teacher uh, uh in in media growing up was a film studies uh teacher and she said you are allowed to like when I'm so I'm sat in a classroom uh, with uh, 15 boys, men, <laughs> I'm going to say boys um, <laughs> who were all, um, you know, asked everyone asked what their favorite movie was. And they'd all come up with some like bullshit art house thing or like, well, I really like Quentin Tarantino, but before he got famous. Mm. Yeah. All right. And she just said, oh, that's all right. But my favorite movie is Titanic. And you could hear them kind of audibly gasp that she liked such filthy box office sludge. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's made for you to enjoy it. It didn't make billions of dollars because no one liked it. You assholes, you know, <laughs> like it's and I think we get stuck in this just because it's popular doesn't mean it's or just because it's big doesn't mean it's bad. I don't know. It just but no, yeah, right. I think it's a, it's a form of gatekeeping. Yeah, and in a community that has already been gatekept so much, why are we then gatekeeping on top of gatekeeping? Stupid. Right, that's a that's a really good point. Like we 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 fight so hard to not be gatekept. Why to not gatekeep? Why do we gatekeep? Almost exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think and we do it, and we like to fit in boxes. We we are as a species, as humans, as Homo sapiens, we we like to fit in boxes and put things in neat boxes. And you know that box used to be you a Marvel fan or a DC fan, and you have to pick a box. But just because I like DC and for the reasons I like it, you can like Marvel. That's fine by me. I like some Marvel. I think the X Men are, are fantastic some of the time, not all the time, some of the time. Um, but you know you can't. I don't hate you for doing that. I can't. I you know. There is artistic merit in everything. Yes, some stuff is made for content rather than artistic purposes, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Right. It just means it's not art <laughs> or less art or whatever. That's a really good point. That's a really that's a really good point. Um, I really appreciated you you going through that. We're running up to an hour now, and I, I do have one more question. If you got the time, go uh, for if it. You don't uh, okay. Um, so you got your podcast. You got the Narrative Labyrinth podcast. Yep. This is the last question I'll, I'll ask you, uh, and then I'll let you go. Um, but the um, you, exi- you 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 interacted with your fandom spaces. You wanted to, you started this podcast. Has the podcast changed your view at all of fandom spaces, of fandom in general? Um, I think I've I don't know. So some of my episodes, I guess, are 
different. So I'm I'm just gonna get a list of my episodes. One second, sorry, because mm-hmm. um, that'll mean I can talk about it far easier. So okay. I guess with because it, it's my podcast, I only speak about the things I want to talk about on it or stuff that interests me. So um, which you know feels doesn't feel unjust. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the my favorite episodes I ever I ever did was um, I did um, I did an episode called Problematic Noodles and Cyberpunk. Um, and I got some um, voices from people who kind of because um, obviously cyberpunk. I, I mean, I love cyberpunk, not necessarily the game cyberpunk, but the aesthetic, the worldview, you know, that whole kind of thing. I, I really love it as a as a storytelling kind of framework and narrative and, you know, high tech, low culture. It's great. It's, there's so much story and rich value in it. But cyberpunk at its heart is really racist. Um, so I. Uh, got someone who's um who was from um hong kong um whose father um was is was from kind of the the area uh where kind of cyberpunk takes a lot of its cues from and we had a, a really depth in-depth conversation about how we love cyberpunk um but yeah it is it is kind of racist and there's a, there's a lot of racist undertones in it and you know even in this day and age we're still doing that and how we could possibly avoid that if we if we wanted to so um, I guess sometimes I want to use my podcast to put out um, voices and information that maybe other people don't necessarily know, like the cyberpunk thing and like talking about queer representation in cartoons and how that's changed and evolved. Um, and, you know, the the bury your gaze trope, which again is something we still see all the time um, used a lot, even though, maybe we don't need to but then other episodes i want to talk about stuff that other people love um or are really passionate about so uh, i i did um an episode on identity in cosplay uh, where i spoke to two cosplayers one being andy from the great derelict mm. um and we talked about what cosplay meant to them and it was kind of a a deep dive into their identity that comes through cosplay um and it, it got a bit it got a bit real i think at points um but then other times stuff just annoys me and I want to talk about it. Like, you know, um, why Disney seems completely incapable of marketing a science fiction film that isn't Star Wars or Marvel um, and how they're damaging themselves. And um, yeah, can can a, can a villain ever truly be redeemed? Which is entirely born out of the fact that I hate the fact that people keep saying that Darth Vader turned good at the end because he absolutely didn't. Um, and that is a oh, hill I will die on. Darth Vader, Darth Vader is not redeemed just because he chucked Palpatine, who we now know didn't even fucking die. So what was the point in that? Off a bridge. That doesn't mean him redeemed. That doesn't make up for all the younglings. Um, I often say, I often say that I think George Lucas went a little too far when he made Anakin turn to Vader. Obviously, he was always meant to, but it's the it's the killing of the youngling scene where I was just like, I don't know if this guy can be turned good now. Yeah, I think um I think but I think in storytelling there's a lot of um people believe in rede- redemption is a great story arc. You know, there is yeah. nothing better than a villain turned good as a story arc. It's emotion, it's powerful. Um it's Dragon Ball. Yeah, it is. But it's got to be earned and you can't in the last 3 seconds of a movie yeet the big boss off the edge of a tower and go, "Well, I'm good now. I get to go to Jedi heaven." Yay. Um you know, there's and there's there's lots of stuff in storytelling where we where that happens, um, where we kind of say, yeah, you can be redeemed because you did one vaguely good thing at the end. Yeah. Um, mm. And I think um, I don't know if you've ever seen The Good Place, mm-hmm. um, 
but there's a, a character in there. I want to say Mindy Sinclair, but that I may admit, Mindy, Mindy, whatever her name is, who was a hideous, hideous person her entire life. And at the moment she died, she donated millions of dollars to charity. And they're like, well, you're still a hideous person, but you did one really good thing. So you get to sit in the middle. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I remember her. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's, yeah. So I don't know what the point in what I've just said of that is, but um, I guess the narrative labyrinth is here to discuss um, stuff that I find interesting um, that I think sometimes deserves a conversation that we we don't get. And sometimes people come to me with conversations. Uh, so I did a, an episode, or I did the musical episode, where someone came to me saying they wanted to talk about kind of musical tropes like you know how all kind of shows have a mu- what that one musical episode mm-hmm. um and what kind of the tr- what 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 narrative and storytelling purpose does that have and does it have storytelling purpose and what does that actually mean um and we are all, we all agree that we we're very sad that tng never did one um because <laughs> i think it would have been great but we'd love lower decks to do one which would be as close as we could possibly get um uh, yeah selfishly i must say um just to kind of geek out with you a bit uh that i'm very excited for the lower deck strange new worlds crossover episode right i'm so excited i think that's probably yeah yeah i'm I, i'm i don't know how they're gonna do it but i'm intrigued to see how they do do it i i just love the idea that they were just like you know what we should do we should cross over the animated show with the original with the original series stand-in yeah i do it's great it's and it's such fun and i think sometimes franchises take themselves too seriously and they need to have fun and i'm really glad with lower decks and strange new worlds star trek's going back to a bit of that fun yeah. i like discovery but it's got you got very serious and enterprise was very serious um and sometimes it's nice to you know be silly and do a silly crossover that's the thing about um i love all the new star trek sh- well I like all the new Star Trek shows. Um, I, I, I love Strange New Worlds. I love Lower Decks. I like Prodigy. I find Discovery fine on a good day. Um, but I think Discovery went really too far into this kind of like, we're prestige television now. We need to be dark and we need to be dramatic and we need to do this. And I'm really glad that that didn't become, it, it kind of felt like it was becoming the tone because Picard was the next show right after. Um, but I'm glad that they backed away from that and been like, no, you know, Discovery can be the overdramatic show and we can have fun with the other ones. Yeah, Discovery feels like it's doing the the J.J. Abrams lens flare and the Christopher Nolan kind of brahms in it and yeah. Strange New Worlds having a triple party around the corner and <laughs> both are completely valid um, and have different places in the same... They're still in the same universe and they're still so clearly in the same universe. Yeah. Um, yeah, Discovery, the Red Angel thing kind of, when it was her mum, I was like, oh no, really? We're doing a lost mum story? Oh, look. Oh yeah, look. We've we've never done, we've never seen this story played out ever, ever before. Wow, unique and unusual. Um, I, uh, I'm still excited for Picard season three in two weeks. Me too. But the best piece of guitar, uh, uh, the best piece of Picard content was the Seven and Raffi audio book, which I don't think many people know about, but it was like 90 minutes and it was great. Oh, I didn't hear about this. Yeah, they did. Um, they did. Um, it's very gay. Um, which also makes of course. it great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they actually got the the actors to come and do the voiceover, the voice work for it wow. as well. Um, and it's just a nice little ninety minute audio play. Um, of Seven being a bonehead basically, and Raffi being like, you know, it's okay to be loved, right? You know, we can like, it's okay, it's okay. You don't have to be strong all the time. Um, did you Did you see? Uh, did you read Janeway's audiobook? Uh yes. 
I I I have a massive soft spot for Janeway um, because she was the first captain I saw, mm-hmm. and she was still the first female captain, um, and she was just done a dirty in the writers' room where there was no consistency, um, which always makes me sad. But yeah, I thought her books were all right. I thought it kind of it 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 redid some, and Naomi Wilder did the did the did the prologue at the front, you know, as a she was what was she? I want to say a lieutenant. But yeah, Probably. quite. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, I really like the. I, I buy all. I bought all the audio. Um, not the audio books. Uh, the autobiographies of all the captains. And um, when I when I found out that that Kate Mulgrew narrated her own audiobook, I was like, oh, that's that that. I need to listen to that. That's really cool. I didn't know she'd done that, and now I am going to go get that because I want to. I like. I would now they've done Picard. I'd love them to do a Janeway or something with Janeway because I think Kate Mulgrew is great. And I. Yeah, I know, but I want to see her. <laughs> I don't know. In my head, she kind of got back to to she got back from the the Delta Quadrant, and they're like, "Look, you kind of broke every rule, literally ever, because um, you were badly written. But you broke every rule ever, but also you saved everyone. So we're going to give you a really nice title in a desk job, and we're just going to sit you to the side and never let you do anything again." And I kind of she just doesn't feel like the kind of woman that would be okay with that. Um, yeah. that's my head cannon anyway my story is that she's sat at the desk and she's actually not she's off doing crazy stuff uh well i i also want them to do a janeway thing uh, the, the the buzz between the buzz with picard season three is so positive i'm i'm hoping that the showrunner for that gets to continue and do not picard season four but like the ne- what the next show would be set after uh picard and i think they could so easily interwine something there as well because there's mm-hmm. some crossover characters and stuff I think bring me cool. Janeway bring me Janeway old Janeway <laughs> causing problems in space um okay well um I, I I've kept you longer than I that I promised I would um I really appreciate all all of this discussion it was wonderful um thank you so much that's okay I, sorry I feel I was yeah um it's been really great to come and talk about fandom and I only got through half my notes which is great like I haven't had to like my notes I was like right if I talk about what I'm really into now in DC then it'll like it'll give me nerd cred and I've loved the fact that I haven't had to do that I haven't had to prove that I know the blue La- the blue lantern oath um which was great I love it and yeah I love stories and I'm still a nerd I'm uh, I'm 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 I can't my my comic book store was a really positive place to work because um, it was a very welcoming place for for everyone. And I think I learned a lot there. Just like to me, you know, because there's a lot of like we talked about just, there's a lot of like in in gatekeeping like um, uh, and, and to me, like if you like Loki from the Marvel movies, but you don't like Loki from the comics, you're a Loki fan. I don't care that that that's your Loki. You like Loki. Um, if you like Green Lantern, that's you, you like Green Lantern. If you only read one Green Lantern comic, you're a Green Lantern fan. Like I don't care how well, I don't care about cred. That if you like the, that one thing, that makes you a fan. I don't know why people feel that the TV or movie version of a character that has arguably many different versions by different writers in different titles, I don't know why it is any different. You mm-hmm. can still like them all over. I hate Superman in basically everything. Except I really, really like Superman in Man of Steel, the, the movie. Um, I think it tells a really good um, Im- immigration story. Um, and but you know, I really don't like Superman in anything else at all. I quite like him in DC versus Vampires, um, 
at the moment but that's it like but that doesn't make me any well i'm not a superman fan but you know if i said that if i said i was a superman fan that's the only one that would make me no less of a superman fan exactly um it's just age and comics are so good at that we've got so many different versions of everything because that's how comics and they've existed for nearly 100 years at this point most of them so it's okay that you only like the one on the tv or the one on the movie or the one in that one 12 part series from 1998 that's okay you can still call yourself a fan of that exactly um okay so um i want to give you the floor plug anything you want Oh, plug anything. Um, normally I plug an XLR mic into an XLR jack, but I don't think that's what you mean on this occasion. Um, so, yeah, my name is Rachel Strange. I present and host a show called The Narrative Labyrinth, uh, where we delve into uh, the world of video games, uh, books, comics, TV shows, film, and everything in between, uh, with in-depth review, discussion, and analysis with a host of guests from around the world, um, sometimes in my living room, but normally from somewhere else. Um, and we've got series three coming up soon. I don't really have anything else to plug other than to say trans rights are human rights and always pay your freelancers. And thank you very much for having me. Uh, your social medias. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find me on. Oh, yeah. That thing. Um, mm -hmm. If we still use Twitter, who knows? Um, you can find me at um, Strange Rachel. Um, or mastodon or kind of any other that's basically my handle for most things and you can find the narrative labyrinth under funny enough the narrative labyrinth mm. um on all good and average podcasting sites and social media sites as well excellent uh thank you again so much um uh, I, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation um and i will let my 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 future self play us out ah future self i love it time travel let's go Thank you, past me. Once again, thank you to Rachel Strange. That was Rachel Strange. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, please check out The Narrative Labyrinth, uh, her podcast, all the links where you can find Rachel and The Narrative Labyrinth. They will be in the description below. Please click on them, find them, listen to them. Great stuff there. Seriously. There's also a lot of other links that you're going to find in the description, which I'll get into now. Last season, you may remember my conversation with, I keep doing that, conversation with Andy Palastes uh, from the Great Derelict Podcast. He gets a few mentions in this episode uh, because he's wonderful, um, and he'll get a shout-out now since his book is out. Um, he has written a book called We Have Engaged the Borg, which is a World War Z-inspired novel about the Battle of Wolf 359 from Star Trek The Next Generation, the big two-parter with Locutus Borg, Best of Both Worlds, that's the title. Um... I'm, I'm putting the link in the description because, like, if you're a Star Trek fan and you're listening to this and you've heard of Andy or you haven't heard of Andy, you should download it. It's free. Please check it out. Um, it's awesome. I've gotten to read a bit of it, so, you know, take my word for it. Hey, but it's my turn now. Uh, Conversation is a part of the... I, you know, I'm reading this now. Conversation is a part of the Fake Nerd Podcast family, a podcast which hosts a ton of other shows. Uh, part of some of the changes... I mentioned up top, you know, my life is going through a lot of changes. My life is not in a great place right now, but some of the changes, and I hope these are good changes, but, you know, time will tell, uh, is coming to the podcast family, specifically Fickner Podcast, which we'll talk about on that show. So if you're a listener to that show, stay tuned. Not, nothing to worry about, like, immediately. And hopefully those changes will enable the podcast to continue for a while because I'm not willing to let this go yet. I don't care how non-successful we are. It's just... I don't know. Sorry, I'm getting away from myself. All right, well, anyway, Fickner Podcast, which is where 
which is the show that all these come from. It's a general pop culture show. If you haven't heard that already, uh, you can join us live every Sunday uh, for that show, or you can listen to it or watch it afterwards, wherever you listen to podcasts. Our last episode was either covering, depending on when you're listening to this, it was either covering Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny or Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and Mission Impossible Fallout, because we've been, you know, we've been getting ready for the Mission Impossible films. Also, Ben, my co-host on the Faker Podcast, our co-host from the Faker Podcast, hadn't seen them all, so we, you know, we read, we remedied that, um, and uh, that was a lot of fun. So if you're, if that was the last episode you listened to, this coming episode, because we're recording that tomorrow from the time of this recording, it, it's all weird. I record these months in advance. I can't keep this straight. Um, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 will be the review episode. And that, hopefully, we had a lot of good time with that one. Hopefully, that was a lot of fun. I'm really excited. I know we're all really excited for that one. I really like doing these kind of major franchise discussions. We did a few of them this year so far. And maybe we'll try and squeeze in one more if we can. We'll see what happens. But speaking of, um, there's a lot of Indiana Jones things. I've you know mentioned a little bit already. But there's so much Indiana Jones stuff that has already aired on this channel as well as will air on this channel so what, I'm, what i've done is i've made a, a blog post on my personal blog which is on our website that's linked below that will be continuously updated with indiana jones things and currently has all the indiana jones ones so if you're interested just find that link and check them out that said some of the other shows you can find are fake nerds watch which is currently going through star trek strange new world season two as well as secret invasion so that's fun I uh, really enjoyed doing the Strange New World and doing that with Sparks and Ryan from uh, the Figner Podcast. My first time doing it with the two of them, my first time talking about Star Trek in a while with Ryan, actually. I think the last time he and I really like dived into Star Trek was like first year of this podcast. But this was a lot of fun. This has been a lot of fun, so look forward to more of that. There is Basement Arcade, which had a few episodes released recently. Basement Arcade Pause Menu, Animation Station, Fickner Book Club, which just released a new episode with me and former guest of this show, Travis Alexander from Kaiju Ramen, uh, where we talk about uh, Star Trek, a Star Trek comic called Star Trek Discovery Aftermath, which is kind of like the proto Strange New Worlds. It's a lot of fun. There's gonna be more Star Trek uh, Fickner Book Club stuff coming, so stay tuned. The Real Score, where you can look forward to deep dives into the Indiana Jones soundtracks. That'll be coming relatively soon. And of Mythalanius is back. Mythalanius has come back since the last episode. That's wild to think about. But yeah, my uh, long lost, uh, my long lost show, Mythalanius, is temporarily back. Where we talk about where we're, I'm going through the Indiana Jones MacGuffins. So the first episode, the Ark of the Covenant, and the second episode, the Sankara Stones. Uh, third episode's a little delayed. I, again, it's just been... It's a rough time, guys. How many times am I going to say that? Take a shot whenever I say that. You'll be drunk. But hopefully that leads to more for Mythalanius and a more permanent return, which would be nice. Links to all these shows can be found on our social media and on our website. Our new website, guys. Our website is back. Uh, it's constantly being updated. I'm constantly making updates to it. I've really enjoyed working on it. So make sure to kind of keep, you know, keep checking back on it. I'm... I'm really working hard on this one. It's a really cool site. I linked linked below, but you know, it's fakenerdpodcast.com. We also have a Patreon and a TeePublic if you'd like to support us financially. Uh, by the way, the Conversation logo, this current Conversation logo that Mike Matola has made me uh, for season two, that's up on our merch page now, on our TeePublic page. So if you want uh, to have this logo as a shirt, a mug, whatever, um, it's there, guys. You can check it out now. Um, glad I finally put that one up there. I really like that logo. You know, I should make a shirt. 
that says, I guessed it on conversation and all I got was this lousy shirt. Maybe that'll be up for the next time I put out an episode. Lastly, please give this show, Conversation, some love on social media at Conver underscore station. That's a Twitter handle, which is linked below. I really love putting the show together and I'm grateful so many people have reached out to me, told me they like it. Uh, but please leave a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice. If you could, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Also, if you'd like to be on the show or send me questions or letters or anything, no harassment, please. That, uh, that is conversationpod at gmail.com. All right, that's enough blabbering from me. Uh, thank you for the support as always. I will hopefully not have to take that much time off again. So in two weeks, I hope you can expect episode seven. Wow, we're almost halfway, pretty much away. Seven is halfway through the season now. We're kind of passing that because it's an odd number this season. Wild. Excited, though. Um, yeah, you know, things are in flux right now. Hopefully, hopefully things look up someday soon. Who knows? Um, but look, episode seven is, um, episode seven is a hard one, guys. I might have bit off more than I can chew because I talked to the entire cast of my co-host, Ben, my Fakner podcast co-host, Ben Magnet. He started a Dungeons and Dragons podcast called D and Dark, um, which is put on by uh, Dan Jers, who is their uh, dungeon master. Uh, and I talked to all of them, the whole cast, guys. I think it's like seven people. So it's going to be the most people I've had on the show, the most people I've ever interviewed on the show. I might have bit off more than I could chew, but you know what? Here's a clip. Like, because what D&D ostensibly is, is long-form improv with some heavy guardrails, mm-hmm, uh, yes. it really does lend itself well as a continuation of that thing. And um, Aaron and Daniel and I have known each other since middle school. Um, all through high school, we did theater together. We did we were on the improv team together. And so we got our kind of feet wet doing that a little bit. I continued on doing improv a little bit in college and fell off it a little bit. This is kind of... I don't want to speak for the two of them, but for me, it's a little bit of a way for me to kind of keep that spark going and to kind of like keep those instincts strong, if that makes sense. All right, guys, until next time, stay true to the fan in you.